the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thursday. That means that uh, our demands here. Yeah, Jr. Jr. Davis. He's the governor's spokesman. Was just sitting here. I, I loaned him a book that was sent to me by uh, Senator Cotton. He's got a new book out. We're going to get him on here in the near future to talk about it because uh, a lot of people don't know a lot about Arlington Cemetery, and that's what this book is about. Yeah, yeah. It's a great. It's a great book. You got the uh, the proof there. I know it's coming out. I think May. 13th or something yeah so um, i gotta get him on it's it's next week i think is but it's really out. really and i'm a big fan of history and i think uh the senator did a really incredible job just kind of taking you behind the scenes obviously from his experience as part of the old guard um and uh and just the the really neat history of of how the you know the tomb of the unknown soldier uh came to be and the history of that and the history of the guard itself from uh you know basically the days of washington and 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 all the different uh battles and and what all the the different um uh you know just just the history that's kind of remained throughout uh, uh since its history and the fact that um uh it just kind of goes through just what an honor it is to be part of something like that and yeah so like i said as a fan of history it's it's fun to go back and just you know um basically read about things that i didn't know about uh and it, so it's kind of fun to see senator cotton is sort of the uh, historian <laughs> in this case it's a really great book and it makes you really appreciate what uh the men and women uh of, of the uh, old guard have done for this country and what they do on a daily basis and, and even the civilian uh volunteers that work um um you know as far as the Dover transfers and, and what they do with the mortuary affairs and just every day. It's not the same old, same old. Every single funeral uh, is done to the you know utmost perfection uh, because, you know, they their, their uh, mission in life uh, is to uh, honor our fallen. And I think that's such a really um, noble uh, profession, but also just a great honor to be able to do that. Uh, and so it's a it's a pretty cool book. It's a good read. I'm sitting here. I'm trying to find a, a movie that I've seen, and I know Jr. has not seen it. And if I'm not mistaken, Kevin Bacon is in this movie. And um, it is a movie about bring, a, a guy that's bringing – he's one of the people who bring the bodies back to the families for burial. Uh, and it's a great, great movie. And for the life of me, the the name of the movie has slipped my mind. 
if you can help me out with this, 8230965, what was something, it was somebody, it had somebody's name in it, it was a, it was an HBO movie, and I've shown it before when we've been on one of my Patriot tours, when we went to Washington, D.C., we showed that movie um, the day before we went to Arlington. Yeah, and a lot of people had no have no idea what goes on at Arlington. No, and I think that's I mean that's what's so cool about this book is that it just it's the history of the old guard in Arlington and how all that came about and uh, it's, so, it's really chance. incredible. You're almost there. It's fifty percent. Yeah, you know, my mind's going like yeah. something something chance. Yeah. What's the name of that movie? Come on, Zach. Somebody called in. Somebody's trying to help us out here. What is it? Taking Chance. There you go. That's what it was, yeah. Wow. If you've never seen that movie. Dial a friend. This is what that is. You just threw it out there and got the answer. It's impressive. One of my lifelines. (laughs) Uh, Here's the key. You need to go see it. You you got to watch that movie. If you don't cry, there's something wrong with your heart. Hmm. I get goosebumps when I think about it. Yeah. It's, 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 well, it's a great movie. Yeah, I need to see that, and and this is a good book to read because there are times where really you're you're um, he interviews a lot of folks in this, and and they kind of give their uh, their personal stories and and what it means, what their service means to them, and why they do yeah. it. And it man, it just really it puts you in it versus just you know viewing Arlington National Cemetery as as a treasure. I think a lot of people believe that, but just really knowing what happens every single day there and like you pointed out too before we started the show is you know the the working cemetery that there are funerals going on i mean these are for uh veterans who uh you know of world war ii and 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 korea and and you know as time progresses it's uh uh, the war on terror and those that continue to be uh, interred there so it's a really really cool uh, glimpse into what uh, those men and women do every day for the united states uh, armed forces so if you can go to arlington cemetery and look around and look at all of those markers mm-hmm. and not in that moment be struck with how many people have given it all for you mm-hmm. uh, there's something i i hear people that have gone in there and spit on graves before and i'm just like what the crap is wrong with people yeah that's ridiculous i you know I, the idea that uh you know, day in and day out. You know, and you see this, this the the tomb of the unknown soldier. They uh, guard it twenty four seven, and and it's just the the meticulous nature of everyone in every or every one of those soldiers uh, and the sentinels and the ones that that perform the funerals. And how and the many old steps guard, they take? And how many steps and yeah, what it means? But even in yeah. the funerals, where we're you know just. It just everything has to be absolutely perfect, and it's not because, well, you know, we're we're uh, the army. We have to make it. It's because everything they do is to provide that family mm-hmm. that one last glimpse of what the army is, right? And yeah. and, and that's such a such a really cool uh, uh, and and unbelievable service to our country that they have, uh, and they perform it every day. So I just think that's that just speaks volumes to the brotherhood. Uh, and and what it means, you may not know the uh, the soldier who you know lost their life uh, in battle, but you know what they represent, and uh, and and what it means to you as a soldier that's serving in that particular ceremony or funeral. So it's just a really cool 
uh, read. And like I said before, I like history, so it's kind of fun so to I give learn you, a little bit more. I give that to you until next Thursday. You next Thursday. You don't get it. Ba- I am you almost done. You can't keep it anymore than next Thursday right. because i got to set up the appointment, uh, the interview with right. Senator to talk about the I can't book. say you never gave me anything. You know, so. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's why I get true true answers. No, I'm just kidding. There you go. I'm just kidding you. Hey, listen, let's get a, a quick break in because when we come back, I want to talk to you about medicinal marijuana. There's yep. okay, there's some things we need to talk about. I want to play a little piece back from yesterday's show. I had the mayor of uh, Benton on and uh, Saline County Judge on, uh, Avery, and uh, talking to them, and uh, they're kind of sitting out there. They feel like the city cities have been kind of hung out they dry by the marijuana people they didn't give them some direction on some stuff so i'll let you hear what they okay. had to say we got that coming up here on the dave ellswick show okay so i'm looking on netflix for everybody it's called taking chance let me see if netflix has it and the answer to that is of course uh no <laughs> I hadn't looked at Amazon. Look at Amazon. See if taking chances on Amazon for us, would you say? Anyway, let me remind you that uh, J.R. Davis is here. He's the governor's spokesperson. Yesterday, I was out at Duck's Garage. We had a live remote out there, and I had the mayors of Bryant and Benton on, and I had the uh, Saline County judge. I think it's uh, Harvey, if I'm not mistaken. Harry Harry is his last name, and uh, he was on as well. And when um, Mr. Farmer, who is the mayor of uh, Benton, and Mr. Airy, who is the county judge uh, down there in Saline County, were on, I just brought up to them that, you know, medicinal marijuana was going to be going on sale pretty soon. And, you know, was that, pre- is, was that bringing any, you know, unique problems? And let me just play, this is, is it less, just a little over a minute, isn't it? Okay, so let, let's play that. Here we go. So let, let's talk about something that's going to happen here very in the very near future in the next couple of months. Medicinal marijuana is going to start being sold here in, in the state of Arkansas. People are going to have cards that they're carrying saying that they have their, their rights to buy medicinal marijuana. Uh, lawyer Couch, David Couch, is out there. And when I had him on his show, my show, about a year and a half ago, uh, he made the prediction that in 2020 we'll see recreational marijuana on the ballot here in uh, in Arkansas. And I have the feeling that if it ever gets on the ballot, it probably will pass. I mean, are you all preparing for this? This is this is a whole different bailiwick that you're going to be cast into here shortly. Especially with employees. And uh, our police department, I know, is uh, taking trainings to deal with the situations that arise because of it. Uh, when you pull someone over now, if they've got a prescription card, they're not supposed to be driving, but they're probably not aware. I don't know that our public is actually educated enough about it to really say that we're prepared, but we're preparing the best way we possibly can by getting as much training as we possibly can to deal with the situations that could arise. I just talking uh, with Alan Scott, the mayor of Bryant. He said that he didn't think that the state had even come up with any answers for you all of how to test if somebody is DWI or DUI or whatever. Right. I mean, what do you do with this? I mean, are you guys kind of flying by the seat of your pants on this one? 
Well, right now we're just waiting on the state to give us some guidelines, rules, and regulations because it's it's a state project. It's not just a county project or a city project. It's a statewide project, and they have jurisdiction. Okay, so would you like to see them come around for, you know, I mean, I, I know they can't just go to every jurisdiction and talk to you all, but maybe say in this sector of the state you all come in for a a presentation and we'll tell we'll talk to you and answer questions that you might have would you do you think the state needs to do something like that personally i do i think they need to centralize the meeting spots and have four or five counties in at one time and and offer what their thinking is right now we don't even know what they're thinking how about you, Judge? I, You're being awful quiet over there. <laughs> well, I, 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 agree, I agree with what you asked a while ago. Is there, is there, you know, are you flying by the seat of your pants? And I would say I, almost everybody's flying by the seat of their pants with this thing. I mean, if you look at how long it just took to uh, figure out uh, from the state level uh, you know, who was going to be the d- dispensaries and, and those type of things, uh, I think we're all flying by the seat of our pants. Uh, um, so I think a lot of this just got to be figured out as we go along. All right. That sounds yeah. like to me like they're they're lost in space out there about this. Well, I know that the uh, uh, Department of Finance uh, and Administration um, uh, that and the um, and ABC uh, they do have some guidance, uh, but I do think that the um, the comment about you know we're we're figuring this stuff out as we go. This is the way the amendment was written is why it's taken so long uh, to. Uh, you know, get to this point. Um, there was a lot of things that had to be done. That's why, you know, it's it's sort of um, apples and oranges when you compare what Oklahoma did versus what Arkansas did. It's just because our amendment stipulated that, uh, number one, it's, you know, obviously for medicinal purposes, but you have to do this and this and this and this. And so that's what kind of got us into this position to begin with. But this was a vote by the people of Arkansas. It passed. Mm-hmm. And so we've, we've been working to that end uh, since that time. And so we're uh, in a position now where uh, if counties do have uh, questions and, and need some guidance and uh, whatever that might be, they can contact uh, ABC uh, and that can, you know, obviously the uh, uh, Arkansas Beverage Control that also oversees the medical marijuana and those licenses. So if they have questions, uh, feel free to reach out there and they'll be happy to assist you. Um, but again, yes, things are going to pop up. We'll have to address them. And uh, this is a this is a brand new thing for the state of Arkansas. Uh, we want to make sure we get it right. Um, but anytime you have something as large as as this. And the governor said before the vote uh, took place in 2016 that you're essentially establishing sort of a, a, a mini FDA. I mean, mm-hmm. it's 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 difficult. A lot of regulations, things like that. So, um, so if you have questions, that's what I would do. I would just encourage you to call ABC, get on the phone with someone there, and they'll be happy to walk you through it. Okay, so if they call Alcohol Beverage and Control and get a hold of them, they can give them the answers that they need. Yeah, and Dorley Chandler, uh, Chandler is the director over there, and and uh, and so they'll 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 get you as uh, much information as they can, and obviously we want to make sure that we provide the answers um, uh, where we can to uh, folks at the county and local levels. All right, sounds good because that's it sounds to me that's what they they wanted. They didn't know who to, who to talk to or. Yeah, to get ABC, the information. Yeah, ABC is the place to go, and and like I said, they'll be able to kind of walk you through. Uh, uh, some of those questions and, and hopefully get you the answers you're looking for. And I promised I'd ask you 
Hey. And I said, I can ask JR. He's on tomorrow. Maybe he'll there ask you him. Go. And I said, I'll let him know that I'm going to ask him so that he'll be prepared. There you go. Yeah, you did. You know? And so there we go. So uh, ABC is where you need to go. And like, I, and again, I think uh, the the comment about this is new and we're going to have to figure it out as we go. You know, there are going to be parts. We've got a really good um, uh, sort of foundation. But obviously with something like this, there are things that are going to be pop popping up and so we just need that communication and counties need to feel comfortable reaching out to the state uh and the state needs to be comfortable um you know reaching out to the counties if there are issues there so and we will and that's the plan moving forward but for anyone listening yes abc arkansas beverage control uh reach out to them and if you have any questions they'll what was the, the name answer. that you gave us well i i said adorley chandler is the is the okay. director obviously oh, she right. i'm not sure who all would be able to but they have a staff there they'll be able to answer those questions uh, especially from a county judge or someone like that for sure okay that sounds good very good i just wanted to be able to give them some direction and they asked me and i said i'd ask uh by the way i just found out taking chances on amazon prime for free Oh, nice. So if you want to watch it, yeah. you can see it. You got Amazon? Oh, yeah. Okay. I've got too many of these, yeah, these I know. streaming I'm, services. The next one point. I will buy is Disney. When well, it comes yeah, because I'm figuring out the other day, I was actually talking with my staff, and we were, I mean, I forgot how much Disney owns. <laughs> yeah. It's going to bleed a lot of these streaming services Yee. dry. Poor Netflix. Uh, no, I know. I know. They've got trouble. a lot of the uh, Marvel stuff on Netflix oh, right that's now, already which gone. is gone. It's going to be gone. Yep. It's totally gone. I mean, they've canceled all of those original series. And they're gonna; those series are going to start on Disney, and it's going to be on Hulu because Disney's getting ready to buy Hulu. Did you know that? No. Yeah, that does not surprise me. They're getting ready to buy. So what there can I go. say? Anyway, enough about that. That's not dealing with. We're government. just going into conspiracies now with yeah. Disney, right? Yeah, <laughs> they're going to take it over the, the world. world. They're the new Starbucks. Miss Doctor Evil's out there, man. He's going to do his thing. Yeah. What can I tell you? <laughs> Zach's over there laughing. I did my Dr. Evil. For you watching on uh, Facebook, you, there you, go. you saw me. Anyway, bottom line is... I always forget uh, about this camera over here, by yeah, the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's easy to forget it. It's so quiet. <laughs> it doesn't say anything. Uh, real quickly, something that came up Tuesday. Somebody mm-hmm. asked us a question, uh, and it was, you can't carry inside the lodge at Mount Magazine, and uh, by law, I thought it had been changed that you could carry on state parks, not necessarily federal parks, Correct. state parks. Yeah, and that's important to uh, uh, point out there that, that if it's a uh, federal, you know, a national park, uh, you know, federal uh, law and guidelines supersede state. So that's something people need to keep in mind. Okay. But so. for the position, for the, for the question about Mount Magazine, yes. it was at the lodge. They actually have a liquor permit there, and so obviously, uh, when you say that, I think most people understand that you, you can't carry inside an establishment that. Um, uh, so you can't carry in a liquor, sports yeah. bar. Yeah, exactly. So, and keep it pretty on. simple answer to that one. Yeah, but, that's yeah. easy. And then they said, came up and and uh, state representative Doug House was on the air with us at that time, and we were talking about. I think it was um, down at the lake down uh, there around Hot Springs. Uh, park down there and there's a sign up and it says that you have you can't carry your gun on the state park loaded so you know does it like does everybody have to stop and unload their gun right at this area or whatever Uh, someone thought it was uh, the feds that put that up yeah and i and i just i don't have the answer to that my understanding is that um you know state parks uh, that's 
that's um, you know people can can carry there. Yes, um, but in a federal national park, you can't. And then, of course, depending on there's a list of different lodges and offices and things like that where you can't carry. But okay. for the most part. You know, but I just don't know enough about who <laughs> who put that sign up or when. Or, or I mean, you know, they may not so, have asked. They just may have stuck that yeah, up there. You never and, know. So my suggestion, uh, where was it? What, what park was that? Washita, that's right. It was it was in Washita. My, my suggestion is ask one of the rangers there, did they know that they had an illegal sign up? Well, and if you've got questions too, just just ask the rangers. I mean, yeah. that, that's the other thing too. That you know, I think that uh, sometimes it's easy to. Uh, I'll let you pick it when we come okay, back. Perfect. Right, we gotcha. got we got the news. All right, back with you. You go ahead and finish up now. You were. What were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you were. No, we were talking about uh, if you have questions. Obviously, the first thing to do is find a ranger or someone there that can can help answer those questions uh so that's that's the only uh thing that i was going to state so instead of uh you know wondering just ask all right so we got we got some stuff going on right now just so you you know about facebook if if we go off on facebook live or something like that a lot of times we've been running into this over the last how long has it been going on now a couple months three months yeah, where the left is, and I'm look. Everybody knows me well enough that I'm not a conspiracist, but the left has been attacking uh, my web my web page, my my Facebook page. We've had to change the password about every three days. Wow! And we've now traced one of the people back to a place in Pennsylvania. So we're trying to you know, figure out what exactly is going on. So if, if things get kind of look screwy or something on my page at times, just know that there's been somebody that's been messing with stuff. Wow. It's been, it's been really wild. You know, I'm, I'm not the favorite boy of the right. You know that, <laughs> you know me well enough, you know what we're doing. I mean, uh, the whole thing about the freedom of speech, you wouldn't surprise me some, some college student out there not happy that we made it, illegal to have free speech zones on college campuses in yeah. Arkansas. They're not happy. Uh, Those people aren't happy about that. They don't want anybody to have freedom of speech, only free speech the way they think. Exactly. And the way yep. it works. So anyway, I'm just trying to keep everybody in 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 mind about this. We get attacked from time. I've, I mean, my, my page has been down for three or four days at times because we're trying to figure out what exactly is going on and we're trying to tighten up the ship so to speak so if you're trying to post something and you find it's a little bit more difficult in the future just know that's because we're trying to keep people from doing things that we don't want them to do and it's not that we we may disagree with what they what they're what they're saying but we never say to anybody they can't say what they're thinking but we won't. We don't want you to try to steal the page, right? You know, yeah. There's, I mean, that's where they draw the line. We trying to say no. I think that's think, appropriate. We'll let that, I think that's appropriate, yeah, Dave. Not going to let that let that go on as far as that's concerned. You know, concerned for the the listeners out there, what what goes on in the governor's office at at this time? I know that he's getting ready to go on a on a trip again. Yeah, which is coming up. Uh, he's getting ready to name his secretaries yep. the, on this reorganization. Uh, it's not like once the session is over, nothing happens in state oh, yeah. governor. No, or government, it's actually, 
uh, kind of funny. I was uh, talking to a, a Capitol reporter, and and we had a conversation about you know our shop and communications, and then what they do for a living. And during the session, you know, this person mentioned that it, it, they're sort of a stenographer uh, because they're just kind of relaying what's happening at the state capitol. And then when you know, of course, the session ends, then it's sort of going back into that reporter role and, and looking at where things are, where they stand, what it means for the state, and that sort of thing. You know, same thing with communications. You know, we're we're uh, responding to a lot of legislation that's filed. We've got a lot of bill signings. We're messaging the different parts of the governor's agenda. Uh, and the governor is, you know, at the Capitol most of those days because we have conversations with legislators. We're trying to get things worked out. But once the session ends, uh, and this is what the governor absolutely loves about his job, is being able to go out uh, throughout the state. And we just wrapped up his eighth computer science tour. Okay. Uh, he's visited nearly 70 schools since he's been governor, just basically taking the message of computer coding and, and uh, computer science education uh, to uh, high schoolers and actually uh, middle schoolers now. And we've got folks taking it from K through eighth grade. We've got standards there. We've got high school students who have taken it in high school that are now uh, working, which is crazy uh, that it's been you know, four or five years now, and they're actually out there uh, either wow. in college majoring in something uh, related to computer science because of that opportunity they had uh, when the governor launched this initiative. So he's been out and about, visited several schools uh, right after the session. We've had uh, an incredible number of jobs announcements. We've talked about that before on yeah. the show. Yeah. Um, and so that's really what the governor wants to do. It's all about everything that he does is about job creation uh, workforce development, and that's where you have the computer science education. You start in the schools. Let's develop a more modern day workforce. Let's keep uh, students here. Let's ha- let's right. bring those jobs to Arkansas. Uh, and then, of course, all the announcements over the last month. Looking forward uh, to the rest of May and uh, on into the summer. You know, the governor is really going to focus on you know job creation, trade missions. And of course, the big one is transformation. Uh, you mentioned it. Uh, he's he's closing in on on announcing. The 15 secretaries uh, of those uh, newly formed cabinets, which is mainly just the consolidation of some of the others. Go ahead. Okay. Explain to me. I'm, I, want, I want to make sure that I, I'm, I'm up on this. Mm-hmm. He's not going to have a, like a presser and have all 15 there at one time. He's going to do going to kind of, kind of do this over time. Is that what you're this looking is, at? He's still determining uh, what he wants to do with that. Okay. Um, I think he has an idea on most and he's working out a few more. Um, but you know, the, the whole point of this and the go, it's never been really personality driven, right? And that's what the governor's talked about during the session. The, the bill itself is about transformation. It shouldn't be attached to necessarily personalities. Obviously when you appoint secretaries, there's a personality to it. Uh, but the goal is to, you know, there's three goals the governor's always talked about. One is to find those efficiencies, but be good stewards of taxpayer dollars. Right. Be able to deliver these services uh, to Arkansans more effectively and more efficient, efficiently. And then also, you know, breaking down the silos in state government and making sure that we're all on the same page. There's some more uniformity to it. And I think that is uh, really what we're trying to do. And, and that's what all of transformation is about. We, we want to be good stewards of taxpayer dollars, provide services more efficiently and effectively, uh, and then also just, you know, know that, um, you know, the communication is a big key and that's what we're trying to do throughout. So, and, and managerial, right? That's the other big part of it. You want to be able to manage 15 versus 42. Okay. So, 
that's really the goal behind it all. And so what you're going to see is once those secretaries are announced, you're going to start to see a series of, of uh, news items that kind of talk about the timeline for secretaries. They'll have their executive staff uh, uh, hired um, and all that by probably mid-June before July 1 goes into the effective date of sure, transformation. That's all the new that's laws everything goes into effect. So, um, but it's important to know that this isn't this is uh, happening without using new money or new positions. Uh, so, what you'll see is uh, if there's a particular director now who's elevated to secretary, they'll still um, control their uh, agency that they were in uh, charge of before. So, you're going to have some dual roles there for the foreseeable future. Uh, also, some of those executive level uh, staffers will come from different agencies. So we're really working with what we have. But the important part is there's more of a controlled uh, uh, communications line from all the different divisions within the new department. Uh, and so, you know, the cabinet directors that are there now that may stay in their same positions, those are just as important now as they were before uh, because it's all about communications and and providing uh, you know, what your agency is doing, if you have an issue, if we can, you know, help push something, it's all that stuff that we just need to be able to, to have more quickly uh, and, and have a little bit more control over as far as, you know, getting that information to us and back to you and that sort of thing. So um, that's a big part of it. And then, of course, the governor has an agenda. He had an agenda in 2014. When he ran for governor, guess what? That's not a bad thing. No, no, and it just, it's just a it's a he always calls it the growth agenda, and that's what we're trying to do here in the state of Arkansas with with jobs uh, and the economy, uh, you know, and 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 really doing our best to to create uh, you know a better quality of life here in the state, and we've been able to do that, but that's also been through forty two different cabinet agencies. For the governor to sit down in a room with fifteen people and be able to say, "This is what I want to do." This is my focus. This is my directive. And then go out and, and, you know, sort of preach the gospel, if you will. And that's that's the whole goal. You have these 15 cabinet secretaries who can take that message from the governor and then implement it throughout their departments. And I think that's what's really, really key in all this is that he actually has more of that managerial control and he can meet with 15 people as opposed to 42 which is just difficult to do. Well, something that I've always asked about is when a governor comes in, you want to have people at the head of the departments that you know are signed up for what you're trying to do in state government. And it seems to me that it's taken a while, but that's exactly where the governor is going to be at when this all is instituted. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's an opportunity for every... Uh, agency agency to kind of hit the reset button. You know, when you come into uh, state government, as, as the governor did in 2014 after his election, you know, 2015, the inauguration, we go straight into the session. He's appointing uh, directors as we go. Um, it's a it's a it's a large undertaking. So for for the governor to be able to come back in and say, OK, we're going to reset, we're going to transform. And then you can put 15 individuals into those spots that, you know, uh, will carry that message in whatever uh, and whatever their specific area of expertise is, right? With that, with that department, uh, can take that message from the governor and that directive and implement it throughout the agency. And that's how I think you can make real change uh, for for years to come. And and the governor is very cognizant of the fact that look, uh, this is the largest transformation effort since 1971 under Governor Bumpers. But within eight years of that transformation effort, uh, those cabinets went from 
I think, 60-something to 10, and then within eight years it was up to 20, and then, of course, we know what happened after that. So we've got to be able to put – there's got to be a real sort of change agent throughout every agency uh, and department to say this works, it makes sense, and have buy-in. And and from the secretary level to the to, uh, to the division heads within the department to their employees, like we just we we want to be able to show that this works, it makes sense, and and we're going to do everything we can to make sure that it has staying power uh, because that's that's how you know legacy is judged. We want to make sure that people know. This is the right way to do things in Arkansas. You can get more accomplished when you have one cohesive message. Well, you know, the best way to get something done that you want to do, since you're the governor, it's like if you were president. That's what, president's nothing more than a guy that's in charge of uh, federalism across mm-hmm. the whole country, yeah. where you've got a governor who's one state. But the bottom line is, uh, who's ever in those positions want their vision their agenda carried out and the only way you get that done is to get the people in in the departments that you know will carry out that agenda yep exactly you got to do it i mean that's that look at what happens in dc after somebody is elected president people typically whoever's in charge of all the departments they're issuing their letters of uh you know i'm leaving see y'all later and the 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 president's going to put somebody else in there that he knows will carry it out the way yeah. he wants to get it carried out. Yeah, and and I think look, we've got uh, you know a little more than three and a half years, and the governor is focused. He's uh, energized. He's got a lot of things he wants to accomplish between now and the end of his second term. But I think it's pretty incredible to say whoever the next governor is uh, will have uh, a drastically lower income tax rate. Uh, will come to a state where we've already. Uh, created more than 80,000 jobs through some of the tax uh, reform and economic development uh, efforts that we've put forward the last four years. Uh, you know, computer science, we've gone from 1,000 students taking it a year to more than 8,000. And so just when you when you really look at the foundation for the state of Arkansas and what yeah, we've you're been able to accomplish, we're building on it now. And that's what's exciting is that we're going to lead this state in a much better place than where we found it. And I believe the state was an incredible state to begin with, but it's fun to be able to look back and say we've done a lot. We're going to have a highway funding plan, the largest in the state's history, in place. Uh, and obviously the voters have something to say about that, but I think there's an appetite there. Teachers are going to be paid more uh, so we can not only just – say, hey, we appreciate what you do and, and that your profession is important, but we also want to bring students into that profession who are considering it. So we want to be able to recruit and retain. Uh, and so it's just so on and so forth. These are sort of legacy builders. And I think that's what's exciting to say, okay, we're we're really cementing the foundation for Arkansas for years to come and then building off that foundation. All right. We got another segment to come. It will be a short one. We went long on that last one. That's okay. May is Motorcycle Awareness Month. Pay attention on the roads. You know, a lot of times we're not looking around and there may be a motorcycle in your blind spot or whatever. That person uh, is going to get really hurt if you run them over. I'm just, let's be honest there. And uh, so if you're looking for some great coverage, a great rates for your bike, for yourself, then you need to get in touch with Dwayne Smith with Allstate Insurance over there in Sherwood because, you know, you get what you need at Dwayne Smith's Allstate Insurance, and they understand all that goes into owning a motorcycle and insuring it because they ride motorcycles themselves. Dwayne definitely loves to ride motorcycles. It's always better to buy your insurance for your motorcycle 
from someone who rides one. So call them today, 501-819-0373. You know, you walk in the door, I don't know if they kind of give you the low down hand as you come in the door. You know, you, you ever notice that when motorcycles are running along the highway and they pass each other on a two-way and they always put their hand out at the bottom, you know, they kind of say hi to each other. Oh, that yeah, way. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. They do that at Dwayne's, all right? You walk in and know you rode in on a motorcycle, he'll look at you and put his hand up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Doesn't that, that does not happen, okay? But he'll sit and, t- and, and talk to you. Uh, know that they can offer also another variety of coverages and service on your home, auto, motorcycle, ATV, boat, and a whole lot more. The number again, 501-819-0373. Give them a call, set up an appointment, or just stop by, 3920 East Keel Avenue in Sherwood today. Don't lose hope yet. I know. You're a Red Sox fan, huh? No, no. Oh, my you're not? wife's a Red Sox okay, fan. Okay, so tell her not to lose hope. I had, I got to tell you, my buddies that are Cubs fans, yeah. they're all, I thought they were going to like jump out of windows <laughs> and kill themselves at home and all kinds of stuff because, you know, we lost like seven of our first nine games. Right. And I go, dude, Hundred and sixty, oh, hundred and sixty-two games, right? I mean, hey, look, I'll still games. forever remember when when Houston caught the Cardinals. What was it like fifty? No, wait, was it was it reverse? Where uh, Houston had like a fifteen-game lead at the All Star break, and I think it was the Cardinals that came back and won the. I mean, it's just like it's just one of those things where it really the first half of the season is important. It's just not every win is a win. Just always remember <laughs> right, that, every right? win's a win, but really and truly 164 games is just yeah, it's a lot. so many games. So it's there's plenty of, uh, you just got to start hitting your stride. I was having, right. having lunch. Well, I was having breakfast with my wife and she, and she goes, okay, do Cubs play today? I go, and the Cubs play almost every day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you wake up, there's a good chance the Cubs are playing. There's a 90% chance yeah. there's a ball game going on. But it's on. so funny. I mean, even in like the NBA, right, there's 82 games, and you you, you know your first 10 games, like the sky's falling. And it, but, but truly with baseball, it's just it's hard to start the season two, three weeks in and be like, oh, man, the, the Cubs just aren't the team. They're, yeah. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day. They're out of it already. No. And especially with baseball, I feel like you can look at the, you can look at the roster, you look at the lineup, and, and you tell at some point – they'll get it together and they're going to start. So yeah, it's we, just one of those things. We were down and out and six games out of it. Now we're half a game up. Yeah. You know, and and it's and it's not June yet. 25% <laughs> of the season is done today. 25%. quarter. We're still three quarters to go, We're still three quarters, still go, three quarters so calm down, Cubs fans, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, they have now. Now they they're, have, all, well, yeah, they're now all back they're all on, the band, on the bandwagon. See, I, I, I joke with my wife. I mean, she really is a, an avid uh, Boston Red Sox fan, and, and I just – it's just tough to keep up with There's anymore. too much I used talent to just, on that team for them to that's keep exactly playing the right. way they're I'm playing like, yeah, right now. It's going to happen. It'll click. It just may take a little bit longer. But, again, it's May. Yeah. <laughs> They just won't win, yeah. you know, 115 exactly, games right. this year. Yeah, yeah. Just and beat it, the Yankees. It's all on one. Just the, beat them. No, you, you don't, you don't yeah. like the Yankees, huh? That's something new. I didn't know that. <laughs> all right. Before before we get to, to the end of the show, let me ask you one last question. The governor's yep. going on an overseas uh, trip again, yep. looking for businesses like yep. he's done in the past. For my listeners, give them kind of a, a, a quick insight about how do you plan all this does he bring a group of people around him and start talking about this business this business this cceo and what do we how do we you know 
massage the message sure. for him and all that? Well, I mean, I think it, for, it, it starts with um, uh, Mike Preston, who's the executive director of, of AEDC. That's the Arkansas Economic Development Commission. Um, they're the ones that really uh, you know, take point on these trips, and they're always working. I mean, they're always uh, turning over rocks and making the calls and, and, and recruiting, and, um, and, and they're doing everything they can on a daily basis to recruit industry here to Arkansas and to provide the atmosphere for existing businesses to expand. That's right. what we want, right? But on a trip like this, yeah, I mean, this is something that you can't say that it starts at any particular point. I think you could make the case that it started when Mike got here and when the governor appointed him uh, executive director of AEDC back in 2015. I mean, they this is a constant, right? Uh, we have uh, an AEDC office over in Europe. Um, and, and so, and which I can't tell you how important that is to have a presence there. And when you're looking at these opportunities and these leads for industry, so they play a big part in it. Uh, uh, of course, Mike and his team are, are a huge part of this effort. Um, and then of course, uh, the governor's right there with him. I mean, he's, he's there making the calls. Uh, he, he writes the letters, he makes the visits and it's so important to have sort of, you know, we, we, uh, refer to the governor as sort of the CEO of the state. And, and so when That's you're face-to-face, yeah, when you're face-to-face with, with when, when a CEO of a company has the CEO of a state in the United States, looking them in the eyes and say, we want you here. I mean, that's how the governor got uh, CZUSA uh, here to Arkansas. That's how we got Sig Sauer here to Arkansas. It's so important to be able to say, this is what we can do uh, as a state because we have the quality of life, we have the infrastructure, we want you here, and we have the workforce, right? And that's the important uh, 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 pieces of conversation that the governor will take to these. But as far as setting up those meetings, I can't get into a whole lot of the details, but they'll set up meetings. They'll have companies and prospects that they'll meet with uh, and pitch them and, and establish those relationships. And that's the – I know we got to go, but the important part is planting the seed. you got to start those relationships, and that's what we did with CZUSA. That's what we did with Six Hour, and that's what's important. All so. Right. I'll see you next week. Don't forget my book. No, I'll bring it back. I'll bring it back. <laughs> Just kidding. And don't forget, you watch Taking Chance on Amazon. Okay. Tell me what you think All of right. it. We'll All do. right. Thanks, Dave Ellswick Show. Thank you, J.R. Davis, for joining us today. We'll take a break. We'll be back with more. Okay, never in my mind, in my life, in fact, have I ever thought that this particular story would ever happen, Zach. A student who was suspended by his university after a condom incident during an otherwise consensual encounter is now suing his former school. The student referred to in court documents as John Doe, said in his lawsuit that he met his accuser referred to as Ann Rowe as, uh, on Tinder. Now, does everybody understand what Tinder is? I mean, Tinder is a hookup app. Basically, you sit, and if you're a guy, you look at all the women, and you just kind of flip through, and you say, yeah, I'm interested, yeah, yeah, not that one, not that one, not that one, yeah, that one, okay, 
and you go through and then you can have a conversation and decide if you want to hook up somewhere. Uh, the two met up in the early mornings of December 9th, 2018. They eventually returned to John's room with, for what both students described as a consensual sexual encounter. After about 45 minutes, however, there was a condom mishap. And no, Janet Jackson was not involved. Okay. There was a condom mishap and gave different versions of what happened, and John had to put on a new one. John claimed he asked Ann for consent before the unprotected contact and twice during the short time where he wore no condom. Ann would eventually tell campus investigators otherwise. For the rest of December, John claimed in his lawsuit the two continued to chat online in a friendly manner. But then in January, Anne started expressing concern over the brief unprotected portion of their encounter. On January 16th of this year, uh, Anne wrote to Johnson, quote, I wasn't comfortable with like being penetrated without protection. Ha ha, it happened briefly, but it left me pretty confused. I'm not like mad or going to like, I don't know, try to get you in trouble or anything. I was just confused. And then wrote again the next day saying she was, quote, not trying to smear you or anything, but I need some time to think about how I feel about this situation, unquote. She now also claimed to have been actually sexually assaulted multiple times. Two weeks later, Anne would tell Yale investigators that the unprotected sexual intercourse was non-consensual. Anne, according to the lawsuit, gave a different version of the events to each of three male friends. She told one that John removed the condom and she then performed oral sex on him. She told another that it was she who removed the condom she told the third that John removed the condom without telling her, an act referring to as sleething. She told a Yale investigator that the condom came off, they briefly continued to have sex, and then John put on a new condom and they continued again. John said in his lawsuit that he was not treated fairly at his hearing. He said the panelists questioned him in a demeaning tone while they were very polite and conciliatory with Anne with whom they even joked. Meanwhile, multiple panelists at various times glared at John with a look of disgust. The panel asked John about his drinking the night of the encounter and his past sexual history. They did not ask the same of Anne. John said in his lawsuit that he thinks Anne was pressured into filing a formal complaint against him by Yale investigators looking to claim that reporting is up. If true, he would be in a situation similar to that of Jack Mont uh, Montague, whose accuser appears to have been tricked into filing a report by Yale officials who falsely claim Montague had been accused of sexual assault before. That case is heading to trial. The folks who first reported the story said John is seeking at least $75,000 in damages in addition to physical, emotional, and psychological damages that he suffered as a result of Yale's 
biased adjudication process. You know, don't we, we live in just a really weird time that anymore, you know, just don't have sex. I'm just telling you. I mean, there's moral things to talk here about, but the the other thing, but the thing here is, you know, you got a woman who's filed a complaint that is taken seriously after people have come in and testified that she told three different people a completely different story. How can you even take that person seriously? I don't believe that you can. And it just goes to show, and I do believe this to be true, that in this kind of a situation on sexual assault on college campuses, the woman gets uh, gets believed 100% while the man is definitely on the defensive totally. So it's going to be interesting, but that's this is going to go to court. It's going to go to court. And I would say that there's a whole lot more to be believed about uh, the young man and what happened to him and what happened to this young woman. So anyway, that's interesting. Another story for you from the Daily Wire today. That's uh, uh, Shapiro's website. The Florida governor signs a law that allows more teachers to carry weapons in school. And uh, I'm all about this. This This is a good deal. As the Daily Wire's Frank Camp previously reported, the Florida State Legislature recently passed high-profile legislation prescribing a process by which more teachers will be able to lawfully carry firearms in school if they so choose. Now, listen, if you happen to be in that group, Mothers uh, Against uh, gun or Guns or whatever, or Gun Safety or whatever it is, the ones that wear the red jackets and red tops and all of that that I saw during the session, uh, you may not want to listen to the rest of this story because it just may really upset you. The Florida legislature uh, laid out a set of rules by which public school boards, teachers, charter schools, and law enforcement authorities must abide before any such program can take shape. Here are some of the requirements stated in the legislation. One, a school board must vote by a majority to implement a guardian program, giving them ultimate authority in the matter. Two, once a school board has voted in the affirmative, the county sheriff must set up its own guardian program or allow the school board to contract with another sheriff's office that has established a guardian program. Three, guardians have no law enforcement authority aside from stopping or hindering a school shooting. Next, guardians must have a valid concealed carry license and complete 144 hours of training, including a psychological evaluation and diversity training. Now, I got a question. Did all these guardians got to do 144 hours of training and a psychological evaluation and diversity training? Do the police officers have to do that much? I'd like to know what their training entails. Do they have to do 144 hours of just gun training? I bet you not. And do they have to do psychological evaluation? They might have that. Diversity training? You know that's going to happen. Everybody has to have diversity training. 
Guardians then also must submit to and pass an initial drug test and subsequent random drug tests and successfully complete ongoing training, weapon inspection, and firearm qualifications on at least a yearly basis. Good grief. It's overkill. Absolutely overkill. I mean, do they have to show up and and wear a uniform? Do they have to stand at attention? Uh, Are these people going to come in and take their their gun from them, you know, and unload them? You got to present and unload it, and they look down the barrel, and you better not find any kind of dirt in that barrel whatsoever. Has it got to be? I mean, I'm saying, is it going to be like the military was when I was in the military, where they. You know, they take your uh, your rifle and look at it, make sure that it was absolutely clean and spit and polished. Are they going to have to be able to break their guns down, put them back together within five minutes, and then uh, show that they can fire? You know, this is crazy stuff. They're asking people, uh, this is the way that they're trying to, the, the legislature passed a bill to make it so draconian and so tough to make it work, that most people won't even try to be, quote, a guardian. They won't do it. it it's too much to go with it. It's 144 hours of what? I mean, seriously. You don't need 144 hours of training. You can do, you know, uh, active shooter training and Regular, this is a gun, and you know this is the this is the handle, this is the trigger, and all the rest from a person that doesn't know squat about a gun. You can do that in in ten hours at the most. A hundred and forty four hours. I don't even know if they give it if they gave us a hundred and forty four hours on. I know they didn't on the practice range. We spent one day on the practice range. Now, I got my marksmanship medal because I wasn't somebody that was just uh, a person who was um, not used to being around guns. I was around guns and was shown how to use a gun. But I didn't spend no 144 hours. That's just, that's insanity. This is this is making a program up. Somebody's got to make money off that 144 hours. Somebody's got to teach that. So your tax money, if you lived in Florida, will be going to a ridiculous program. It really is. 144 hours of training, a psychological evaluation, and diversity training. Wow. Unbelievable. That's just, I would say if you have a, you already have yourself a concealed carry license that you can walk around and carry in, in public, you should be able to carry it into school. What's the big deal on that? They've done the background check and everything on you. You've been uh, if you if you if you got the license, it's because you meet all the the, the parameters of a person that's not just going to go out and start shooting people willy nilly. All right, so that's just anyway. The rest of it, uh, you look here. Governor Ron DeSantis signed a bill Wednesday that let more Florida teachers carry their guns in school. And this is in uh, response to the uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School shooting in Parkland. DeSantis signed the bill in private, issued no statement. The Republican-led 
Florida House of Representatives voted to send the bill to the governor last week, while the uh, GOP-controlled state Senate passed the measure the week before. The new law expands an existing school guardian program and allows any teacher to volunteer to carry a weapon if he or uh, her school district approves. Would-be volunteers must undergo, again, 144 hours of police-style training. Psychic, uh, psychiatric evaluation and drug screening under a previous law passed immediately after that February 18 shooting. Only teachers who had another role at school, such as sports coach, were eligible to carry weapons on campus. The bill faced stiff opposition from Democrats. What a big surprise. Uh, but as NBC News reported in January, a safety commission established in the aftermath of the Parkland school shooting affirmatively recommended arming teachers as one policy prescription to deter future school shootings. So um, I got to, I'll have to ask Jim Morgan about this on Tuesday. A hundred. What are you going to teach somebody a hundred for 144 hours? You'll be able to, they'll be able to be a, a sheriff's deputy. They can moonlight as a deputy or as a police officer there in, in uh, Broward County. It's crazy. All right, got to get a break in. 21 after 3 coming up. You're not going to want to miss this because we've got uh, State Senator Bob Ballinger coming in. We've got State Senator Kim Hammer coming in. Robert Steinbach is coming in. He may be here by 3.30-ish. And uh, we will spend uh, as much time as we have. If they get here early, we'll start early. If we don't, we'll start at 4. We're going to deconstruct. The uh, 2019 general session, the good, the bad, and the ugly, right here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you again. Robert Steinbach is getting here. He's he's all fired up. He's ready for this second segment oh, that's man. coming up. Oh, man. We got, we got Ballinger coming in, State Center Ballinger. He's driving in for this. You got Kim Hammer. He's driving in for this. And they were, I asked him if they would join us and would talk about this whole deal dealing with um, – uh, the session, I wanted to deconstruct the session. It was pretty interesting. Oh, by the way, we had, uh, of course, JR on just a few minutes ago. And kind of interesting in that uh, he made the statement uh, that uh, the reason you cannot carry a gun into Mount Magazine uh, Lodge is because they sell alcohol there. And if you sell alcohol, you can't have a firearm. You can with an with an enhanced carry. Yeah. Well, then and, you have to. And, and apparently, and that, and there's an exception uh, for bars that put up a sign. Uh, I believe that because, it, like any private entity, and there's now apparently some interpretation wrong that says that a government entity that um, serves alcohol can somehow prohibit. Well, Bob's going to be here. Yeah. He can answer that question. I'm sure. Good, because there was another question. I was looking on the website. You know, over up. Um, uh, near Conway or Cabot, I don't remember. There's a there's a uh, uh, what do you call it? Game and Fish shooting range. Yeah, that's up in Jacksonville. Uh, well, there's one in, in Jacksonville, Jacksonville, but there's there's another one, isn't there? In any event, I was looking on the website for it, and it says um, no concealed carry allowed at this site. Well, that doesn't cover enhanced concealed carry. Yeah, and of course they don't know right these all these sort of old style government agencies that have not kept up to date with that wonderful bill 
I call it enhanced carry because that's the technical term. But remember, mm-hmm. that's the campus carry bill that Charlie Collins passed after like three tries. And he finally got it passed. And and it's most notable in that it allows carrying on public university and I think other campuses, in fact, but certainly university campuses. Uh, but it also uh, um, broadens the scope where an Arkansas citizen can carry his firearm at other governmental entities. And it doesn't allow the governmental entity to decide. I'm not exactly sure what it means, by this the way. This is true. We got to talk to, we yeah. talked to uh, the Senator Ballinger about this. Bottom line is, is that Robert heard me talking about Florida. He heard me say that you had to have 144 hours of training to be a guardian. A guardian. My sister's a, special, a teacher in Florida. They, by they the got way. a special name for their their teachers. You know, the guardian care. angels. Their, with their the guardian. Yeah. I like him. He's a great guy. Great guy. I'm I'm very very familiar with him. But uh, you tell you tell me how long if you if you're teaching teaching constitutional theory. Yeah. Right. I was telling Dave off the air that the good. number of hours that they require teachers to learn how to shoot a gun is four, uh, three or four times, I think four times what you learn co- constitutional law in. It's longer <laughs> than a full semester of law school. It's longer That's than a sixth good. of the whole law school. What are they teaching them there? I have no idea what they're thinking. Is it like, you know, I heard you uh, before I came in on the radio and, you know, like the military where, what's that movie, that great uh, Kubrick movie? I think he died in the middle of making it uh, where where the guy. Full you know, Metal Jacket. Yeah, Full Metal Jacket. Thank you. you know, this is my gun. This yeah. is my rifle. Yeah. Is that what they're teaching them there? It's my rifle. This is my gun. One right. is for killing and one is for fun. Exactly. Uh, folks, I know. It, that, that's it, a true Poem yeah. that you Folks, learn while you're in military. Gun in that in that little poem means something else. Just FYI, isn't that right, Dave? Mm-hmm. So uh, th- it's really <laughs> remarkable to me uh, um, that there was ever this notion that there was prior to Charlie Collins's great now law that a state entity got to decide whether you could carry a gun on uh, that. Property. So you might say, well, wait a minute. What's wrong with that? Because there's no such thing as a state entity with a brain. I, I, this is not an insult. I mean, you see, you don't get me wrong. What does it mean for the DMV to have a brain? It doesn't, right? The DMV is run by, I don't know what the head of the DMV is, but an administrator. Right? But my point is the, the brain of any state entity is the legislature and the governor. They're the ones that decide that, not some bureaucrat. We'll talk more about it here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, PI Roofing, letting you know now that they are doing uh, gutter cleaning as well since they took over the clientele of Tommy's Gutter Cleaning Services. So you get the best of of both worlds. You get the great gutter cleaning now that you're going to get from the, the professionals at PI Roofing and Home Solutions, along with if they find any problems with your roof, they can fix those for you. And along the soffit, around the gutters and stuff, it's important things that you know about. They also deal with gutters. If you need gutters, they can take care of those as well. And uh, home repair. You get some uh, leaks in your house, you know, a contractor may not want to take a small job. But it's not a small job to you if you got a big spot on your you know, bedroom ceiling that's all discolorated because of, uh, got discoloration because of a leak or whatever, they'll take care of it, 
make it look brand new for you. All you need to do to find out how to do, get any of that done, go to piroofing.com. Piroofing.com. Jill Johnson, his his wife, run a great business. People who will treat you with the utmost professionalism. That's P.I. Uh, roofing. All right, so Robert is here. Uh, yes, Bob, sir. Bob Ballinger is on his way. On his way. Tim Hammer. Kim uh, Hammer, yeah. Kim, I said Tim. That's Kim right. Hammer yeah. is on his way as well. Said he'd be here by quarter till. Okay. And he's going to take uh, part in this uh, whole show uh, as well. Bottom line, it's looking good that we'll have a very interesting discussion about the last session. You know where Robert and I stand on. Yeah. Life, we did really good on. That's okay. Right. That's right. Freedom of speech, we did okay on. Pretty good on. Yeah. Uh, guns, not, not so, so good. Not so great. Um, you know, as far as we move forward, but tiny step. Yeah. The, yeah. the whole thing about taxes, not so good as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, there's some other areas that we'll talk yeah. about as well. Yeah. First thing I got to ask, uh, the Ballinger about is this whole thing about these signs that suddenly pop up saying that you can't carry a firearm in a state park. Yeah. This is really a problem. Yeah. We got to find really out. And then, and then what is the. What is the proper way to address it? Yeah. I, I agree that, you know, we could all ask the park ranger about it. Something tells well, me they may not even know. Well, you know. know what? In all seriousness, you know I like to bring this up. Uh, I think your listeners should start send, sending Freedom of Information Act requests to whatever inst- state entity they see with a sign that says no guns allowed. And by the way. There's no form. There's nothing special. Write out on a piece of paper. Send an email if you have their email address saying, hey, please send me all records that uh, form the basis for why you have a sign prohibiting guns, notwithstanding the law to the contrary. Yeah. Let's see what they have to say in response because we really need to expose this wrongdoing. Yeah. Well, it's not it's, – it's not – it's a right. Is it, you, you, you're supposed to have it. This is a Second Amendment state. This is a conservative state. You know, we've had some uh, – uh, you and I have stepped back a little bit on that claim yeah. given that we haven't seen quite enough from the legislature this session. But nonetheless, the people of this state are conservative. They believe in the in gun rights. They believe in the Second Amendment and the equivalent in the – Excuse me, the Arkansas uh, um, uh, Constitution, which happens not to be number two, but it doesn't matter. Right. Uh, and And – we finally got to the point in this state where the law, the statutes are starting to align with the Constitution. We had Charlie Collins' uh, terrific uh, en- enhanced carry law. Uh, we have the other law. What is that, 562 or something? Or 760? I always lose 564. 564, uh, whatever it may be. The one that says open carry. They all run together, folks. They, I'm telling you. Uh, and so finally... We're getting into an environment where we can hold up our heads high and proclaim we are a pro-gun rights state. And now the bureaucracy is like a fungus. It's like kudzu. It grows and it grows and it squeezes the life out of you, Dave. And we will not let these unelected leftist bureau hacks take away our rights. See, that's and, and that's that's a key. For everybody to think about, this happens on the federal level as well as the state level. The pre- when you have a brand new president, they come in. What's the first thing they do? They change out who usually is in control of departments. That's right, because they want somebody in that department that 
goes by what they're yeah, wanting that's, to that's get done. That's what it done. means to win an election. But the toughest part is you got all of the people who've been hired over the years yeah, that's it. that carry on as though nothing has changed because right. they've had to do it this way or that way, and they decide they don't want to do it and that way. And by definition, they're unelected, they're long-term, and they're overwhelmingly leftist. Yeah. The leftists move into these bureaucrat positions far more than conservatives do for whatever reason, and we can discuss that at a later point. And so when you let the unelected bureau hacks start to take control, that's when you lose. Problems. I visited Israel uh, several times, and one time I went on a congressional delegation and we met with the USAID. It's this part of the State Department. You think the State Department's left? Well, this is the leftist part of the leftist State Department. And there was some controversy where there was a park in the West Bank that was created by USAID, and it was named after some terrorist. And so I said, the, and the head of the office was out, so we met with the unelected bureau hack. And I said, what's this problem with this naming this park after this terrorist? And she said, well, you know, one man's terrorist is no, another. Oh, I hate that yeah, statement. Yeah, 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 here it comes. Yeah, wait for it. One man's terrorist is another man's um, freedom fighter. And I said, yes, but he's my terrorist. Meaning on that <laughs> side of the ledger, I, on which side of the ledger, I can tell you I fall. Terrorist. I don't care that somebody else thinks he's a freedom fighter. He's a terrorist. I understand that the criminals, the terrorists, the evildoers, they don't view it that way. I get that. But on my ledger, he's a terrorist. Yeah. So she didn't really uh, uh, follow that too well. Uh, but nonetheless, they had already worked it out where they changed the name of this. But my question really was driving at the fact, how did you not see this coming? And she didn't have a good answer for that. Of course one. not. Because she's an unelected leftist bureaucrat. That's why. Yeah. And, and I just had JR on. Right. I heard it. Did you hear us talking about that? In the, Which part? The, part at the very of part of the of the of the hour, I talked about that's why this reorganization oh, yeah. is oh, so yeah. important right. yes. because yes. this allows the governor to get in the people that he wants in in those departments so that they're on board with his agenda. You know, you saw uh, in the news. Oh, uh, unelected bureau hack says the Trump administration had, I don't know, I'm making up a number, 13 people that they didn't think should get security clearance, uh, the bureau hacks didn't think should get security clearance that, that uh, the White House gave security clearance to. The bureau hack's job is to do an investigation and push the paper. <laughs> That's correct. The determination. That's why they call them paper pushers. Right. The determination as to whether or not someone gets security clearance is a decision by the elected official, I mean, not by the bureau hacks. That's why they're not having a congressional committee vet every one of you, although maybe it might be a good idea. It's it's remarkable. And then the bureau hacks quote, uh, well, they, they, they complain behind the scenes to the to the liberal um, uh, con- Congressman, amongst others, saying, oh, my goodness, these elected officials didn't follow what I say. They don't have to follow what you say. No. You're not elected. You're a bureau hack. You work for them, not the other way around. What we need is an easier way to terminate. In, in, in those instances, yeah. I agree with you. You need I agree an easier way to terminate. I agree. That's the one, you know, out of all the things that Kennedy did in the early 60s, that is the worst thing that he did. 
and gave the rights to federal workers to unionize. Well, yeah, I, you know, to be honest, I was never in a union, and I don't know how it works in the federal government. Uh, but the, so there's two sides of this coin, right? I do think we should have civil servants, meaning unelected people working in government, and I think they need to recognize their role, mm-hmm. right? When I worked at the Department of Justice, I was in a civil service position. Uh, I didn't determine if we were going to prosecute or defend a case. I was told whether we would. That's and then right. I did. Yeah. And then I did. Yeah. So I made decisions within the And if the you case, can't do that, you need that, to give you up the, the gig. And, or you get fired. Yeah. And you should. That's exactly right. So that's the, the – but I also want people who are not just a bunch of a political turnover over, uh, over every four or eight – excuse me, years – and that's the that's the challenge. But if there's even a modicum of these bureau hacks trying to control upward the policy decisions by the elected officials, they need to be gone. They need to be out. All right. We need to take a break. It's a quarter till four. We should be seeing Senator Kim Hammer and Senator Bob Ballinger shortly. As soon as they get here, uh, we will welcome them. And all of you who are on Facebook Live right now will be able to watch uh, them while they're on talking with us you get to, i don't know if it's important to look at them or not it's a methodology you see their mouths moving and know that they're saying it and that i'm not you know throwing their voices into their into what they're thinking but anyway we'll we'll talk about all of this when we get back all right back with you dave ellswick show and uh, robert steinbach is here remember robert is uh, a law professor over at the Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily those of the university or the school of law. And we always say that because it's, it's to true. protect him. <laughs> That's why we say it. it's true. We want to protect him. But um, something I've, I've said, I've told, talked to you about this before, and I get people who get irritated with me if I don't talk about politics every day. Mm-hmm. And I try to explain to people that people aren't ir- interested in politics every day. And I'm going to give you a case in point mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. On my Facebook page, if you go, the, the, the post that's getting the most action right now and uh, close to 1,500 people, Hits, right. you know, hit, hit, hitting on it and, and asking questions and making nice comments is the one that shows my deck before and my deck after my son-in-law got done with it. And it's stupendous. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really mm-hmm. is. My son-in-law did a fantastic job on it. But people are really interested in what he did, how he did it, and the whole nine yards. So I'm going to do a show on it. That's great. Because I think everybody yeah. be interested in yeah, hearing how great. to get it done. That's great. And, and uh, it just goes to show, look, there's more to life than what's going on in Little Rock at the Capitol or in D.C. Right. at the Capitol or in the White House. Well, and this is what the lefties don't seem to understand, right? They're so ensconced in the view that government has to do everything for you. Green New Deal, uh, uh, Medicare for nobody. You know, they call it Medicare for all, but that means it goes bankrupt. So Medicare for nobody. Um, uh, the government needs to have one hand in each of your pockets uh, and uh, looking over your shoulder and 
covering your mouth because you're not allowed to say certain things. You know, absolutely, to the lefties, you're right? not allowed to say certain so things. So they want to they want to treat you like a puppet, uh, and they want you to be like a marionette dancing at their whim, uh, and that's why to them, well, everything is politics because all of life is politics to the leftists, mm-hmm. but to conservatives, government has a role. And it's a limited role. And when government gets too big, like any entity. Then it starts screwing up my life. That's right. And I don't like that. That's right. Watch out. Watch out. Don't want that happening. Stay out of my life. Stay out of my bedroom. That's it. All of that. All of that. Keep your hands out of my pockets, uh, you know, uh, and and stay away. You know, uh, government should be making my life easier. It shouldn't be telling me. What to do? And this is what the Obama administration seemed – Obama himself didn't seem to understand. Apparently he said recently or fairly recently, well, maybe I was elected 10 years too soon because it's the hubris. It's this confidence that, well, they, the people just have to catch up to me. No. The Think about is, that. Right? We're too stupid right? to understand what exactly. he was trying to do. Exactly. I just, oh, my God. Right? I hate we're, that. That's the worst thing about leftists. It's unbelievable. We're busy clinging to our Bible and guns, you know, yeah. uh, mocking him, of course, right? And this is really the tragedy of the left, which is it's not too soon. It's that you want to tell us what to do. You don't seem to understand. You work for me. Every one of their programs is predicated upon we're stupid. It's predicated not only on we're stupid. While that's 100% correct, Dave, it's we're stupid we the people are stupid. Oh, but they're the right? elites. And they're the elite. I forgot. And they're going to tell you what to do and what to think. Isn't it remarkable? Look, I'm an educator, Dave, and I have a fair amount of education. So of all people in the world, you might think that I would say, well, I know better. And here's why I don't say I know better. Because if I say I know better, guess what? Someone else tells me they know better. Mm -hmm. And they don't. Right. Stay I know what's better for my my own life. That's it. That's it. You're not living it. Leave me alone. That's right. You know, we don't have kings... Because yeah. I'm the king of my own life. Dude, how much more weight have you lost? I'm probably lost. I'm, I'm about where I was. Hey, you doing all right? You're looking I'm great. Bob Ballinger just walked yeah, in. Yeah, Senator Bob Ballinger's yeah. here. Yeah. Sit down. Make yourself comfortable. <laughs> yeah. You look over. They're looking. They're looking at you right now. They're on Facebook watching you. Oh, oh goodness. Yeah. Don't pick at your ears. See how great you are? I'll pick my nose. He looks good, man. He looks really, really good. Look good yeah. we got a question for you since we're okay. at the very end of this hour. Great. We've, we've got kind of an ongoing questions going on here. One, we I was told today by J.R. Davis that you cannot care that the sign that's on the uh, Mount Magazine Lodge is legal that says you can't carry in the lodge because they sell alcohol. True or false? You know, I, I guess that it depends on how you would define it. And the answer, man, I'd have to look at it because, you know, obviously if you have an enhanced carry, then that's not that's not a, okay. not a concern. It's exactly, exactly what you said. Yeah. So, so, you know, if you have an enhanced carry, you ought to be able to, to carry in there. Okay. The question is whether or not that would be defined as a, as a bar. Okay. And so simply because you serve alcohol, that doesn't mean it's a bar. Because so, they serve food yeah. at the lodge. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's what, you know, if if it's a Chili's that also serves alcohol, it's up to them. They get to make that decision. Mount Magazine Lodge is the, is the state. So they yeah. don't have that same, same. So if it was defined as a bar, it'd be different. 
Okay. So that's a good question. I, that's something I'd have to look into. Okay, be as, as a good attorney, that, as a good attorney, I say it depends. I got that. <laughs> it's a per, I think it's a perfect good answer. I mean, yeah. it really. We were, uh, and it's funny. I didn't mention today, but I sent uh, um, Bob a text. I don't know a day or two ago about a about a related question, which I don't know if I mentioned to you off the air or on the air that that shooting range has something posted oh, about yeah. about no concealed carry, and I'm like, well, what's the basis for that? And is it referring to enhanced carry? And I don't know the answer. But this is a problem when we have these entrenched bureau hacks telling us what the law is, and they have no idea what the law is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and that's I mean, it's this the happens. law as they want it until somebody tells them you can't right. do it. Right, that's law. exactly. I mean, that's that always happens. Is that you know, government will say what they want the law to be, and hope that they don't get challenged on it. That's okay. exactly right. Yeah. And then the other one was there is a sign on Washita Lake State Park that says. You carrying of uh, of loaded weapons is prohibited. Yeah, that seems like that's, that's against. Uh, now that that's totally out. I wonder of it. if it's an old sign they just haven't updated. Yeah, I don't um, know. That's a good question. Yeah, we got to find out. Yeah, we do. It's going to do that and get back to where people are. You know, you guys don't pass these laws just to, you know. You're to, there. To, to you're there. Dust, so you want right? to go? You know, you want to pass a law. Well, let's just pass a law for this, and I don't care if they keep it in force. But hey, let's just pass yeah, a law. yeah. Half of our half of our job is is getting laws passed. The other half is making sure that they're appropriately enforced. Okay, so, so I will get down to the bottom of it. I promise you. <laughs> All right, we got to get a break in. We got uh, news coming up, and then uh, State Senator Ballinger, State Senator Hammer is coming. And uh, our favorite legal guy, Bob Steinbach, oh. is here. And uh, we're going to deconstruct the 2019 general session. That should be fun to do. Absolutely. We're going to do it with A's through F's. That's all coming oh, yeah. in yeah, our way great. here yeah. on the Dave Ellswick Show. Robert's trying to, Robert's trying to destroy the uh, studio here before we get back on. Yeah, I'd have to take ownership of that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm glad that you're here with us today on the radio or uh, on uh, Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Dave Ellswick Show. We broadcast live on Facebook every day for all uh, four hours of the show. Today, just three hours because uh, we'll uh, replay our interview from the first hour with J.R. Davis, the governor's spokesman. Uh, we'll talk with him. And we're going to play that back because I know that a lot of you don't get to hear the first hour, so we replay it in the 5 o'clock hour so you can hear it. Uh, today, in this hour, I've brought in uh, State Senator Bob Ballinger, who is sitting right here. And then in the middle, you know Robert Steinbach. He's the guy that yells in your radio all the time. <laughs> what? And then, what? <laughs> and then also on with us today is uh, uh, Senator Kim Hammer, State Senator Kim Hammer. Good to have him with us uh, today. I th this is the first time you've been on in studio again since the session, right? Was on at the Capitol. But yeah, the first that's time all. Since yeah. being in back yeah, here in, in the studio. studio. Mm -hmm. All right. Same thing with uh, Bob Ballinger. It's been a yep. while since Bob's been able to be in in studio. It's always nice to do the studio because it's it's calm, it's quiet, and we can tend to have our discussions without people coming up and saying. Can I take a selfie with you? <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. So anyway, with that all going on, uh, I I asked him to come on for a specific reason. I wanted to hear, and I'm going to do this with a couple uh, of state representatives as well, all Republicans. I'm going to try to get Robin Lundstrom to come in, who I 
I bestowed with the Dave Ellswick most conservative state representative of 2019. She was, I'm going to tell you what, she really, really impressed me. Yeah, me too. Me she too. she passed some and brought forth and knew she was going to lose some really good legislation. Yep, yep. Yeah, kind of fearless. Yeah, it was. And, and, that, and I'm really proud of her. She was good. Yep. She may have only lost this time. Sometimes yeah. it's laying groundwork. I mean, she she got some real successes, but she's laid some good groundwork for next time around, too. Right. And for everybody who thinks I'm a misogynist, and there's a lot of you, know <laughs> that my number two was Julie Mayberry. All right, so two women led the way. Right, yeah. Number three was Dan Sullivan over there. Number one in the on the Senate side, he's sitting here. My number one, number two, number one is Kim Hammer. Number two is Bob Ballinger. I'll, I'll take number two to Kim Hammer. I mean, on, on Fridays that those switch. Just so you know, <laughs> <laughs> both of you guys did great jobs this year. They really did. I mean, seriously, really you you kind of fought kind of a a one armed paper hanger kind of fight this year, Senator Hammer. Well, I think um, it, it's kind of neat to be sitting in the studio. Yeah, uh, with Bob and Robert, uh, especially when it came to the uh, college free speech, because uh, this is evidence of when you learn to work together instead of against each other. And uh, so I give uh, Bob and and uh, Robert a lot of credit. Um, I find it interesting you put Robert between Bob and I uh, for this <laughs> segment, you know, so he can keep us separated. But uh, but now Robert and uh, Bob and I, and I want to commend these two guys. Uh, because they're both attorneys, they're both conservatives. Uh, they knew how to navigate through some of the uh, difficult language of things, and uh, you know they're to be they're to be highly commended. It it, it, re- it really is a great example of teamwork, which frankly you're a part of too, Dave. So it, I mean, it, it really right. was a, a neat. It, one of the things that you know w- what we suffer from is that was the big victory that we got right out of the gate yeah and so yeah. there's so much stuff that happened since then that some of it you know i felt like i got kicked in the teeth a lot you sometimes forget that That's we right. did have you that did get victory. kicked in the teeth oh yes i did times. i got i got we kicked in the did. teeth yeah i wasn't used to it and, yeah. and didn't like it didn't yeah. taste well well it didn't taste well because you expect more from republicans yeah i'm be honest that's right we went into this, this session that's right saying that this session was going to be the most Conservative. Uh, conservative session. That's right. Ever. And by the time we got done, we had to shake our heads. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things that it's it's always a always a balance. And so we can lose sight of the, just like we were talking about with the free speech. That, I mean, we got that done without any real opposition. and Which, which really surprised yeah, me. Yeah, that's right. And, and so that is a good example that, I mean, that's a good conservative, liberty-minded bill that got, got out, got through. And, and there were a lot of those victories. The problem is a lot of the things that got the most press and got the most attention, we just you know, we move past it. And, and frankly, there is not a, a pro-life bill that was offered that didn't pass. No, that's correct. Didn't pass over we one did and, and a so, plus. So that's a that's a good example right. of of something that you know sometimes because it didn't have the same battles, 
you kind of lose sight of it over the tax increases or, or other things that we aren't quite so happy about. So, I mean, it, whether it's the most conservative session ever, I don't know if I got to make no, that argument. No. But some of the most conservative <laughs> stuff got done. Well, right. so Robert and, and, we, and I will yeah. tell you, no, it wasn't. Well, but we've <laughs> talked about this before the, the two senators uh, came in today, and that is, let me be clear, it was a successful session. Mm-hmm. We just wish we got more, and we think we should have kind of in right. the abstract gotten more. But yeah. no, no, it was a successful session. And you're right. We got that right out of the box, that the, the Ballinger hammer, hammer Ballinger free speech, on, Ellswick free Ellswick. speech uh, uh, on campus bill. Boom. And that was a huge victory. Um, and it's because I think the the other side realized they had nowhere to turn. They kept trying to turn to another legislature. Could you back us up? And everybody said, no. No, no not, that's I'm a good gonna, bill. And those are get powerful guys. And no, we're not going to do it. Yeah, that's before they realized I wasn't quite a powerful guy. <laughs> <laughs> how, how did you feel about the whole session, Kim? Um, of course, I try to look at it short game, long game. Uh, I think we played a, ended up playing a pretty good short game. And, you know, you go into the session uh, with your wish list and you go in – Never with the attitude of well, I hope I leave some on the floor. You can't afford to be that way. You gotta, you gotta go in a hundred percent, and then reality starts kicking in along the session somewhere where you realize you're not going to get everything you want, uh, but you don't want to walk out of there not getting anything. And so the short game is get the get the first down, try to get two if you can. I, I think we got about about uh, thirty yards in a hundred yard field, uh, but I think also. Uh, we've laid some good groundwork for some interim studies, mm-hmm. and that's really where the work gets done. I mean, during the interim study, you've got a lot longer to uh, sell people. Now they've had a chance to sit through the committee meetings, hear all the debate, kind of soften up their thinking processes a little bit. We'll come back during the interim session. You know, I fully expect to work with Bob on on uh, some things because he's got a level of expertise in, level, in the legal field. And I think the next session – uh, we'll get, you know, we'll probably get another 20 yards, but we're never going to be satisfied until we run the score up on them. Yeah. You're not going to be satisfied until you cross the goal line. Yeah. yeah. How many, how many bills did you get as, as acts, Senator Hammer? Uh, I may be off one or two. I think I ended up with around, seemed like 28 to 30. Yeah. And so that's, I got about that same number, which is like twice as much as I've ever got as a house member. But the problem is that I feel like, I mean, I, I wasn't very good at saying no. Like, you know, different people brought different ideas, and some of them were great. You know, the, the, the bill we talked about with the police officer, I'm glad that I said yes to it, and, and it's, you know, it's a blessing that I got to be part of it. But I'm not very good at saying no. But the truth is I got about twice as many bills as I, I ever got as a House member that turned into acts. It's just I also had about twice as many bills that I wanted to get done that got killed mm-hmm. that I didn't really expect, to, you know, that to happen. So Are, are there ones that you have that – for better terminology, or like really your babies, and they're the ones that you want to see get through, and they don't, and it it negates kind of the the victory on the other ones that you got through. For me, definitely. I mean, then Hans Carey was a was a one that you know I didn't come in the session with the plan on running, but I did grab a hold of it and really expected to have the opportunity to get that done. And and frankly, it was really you know basically one vote. That, Sta- that stand your ground, and, you mean? Yeah, stand your ground. What did I say? Enhanced carry. Oh, stand your ground. That's right. Yeah, stand your ground. Right, that's it. So the stand your ground was, uh, you know, one that I, I looked at and kind of expected to get done. And, 
and didn't get done and, and put a lot of energy into it. And usually there are a lot of times that I have, have ideas that I throw out there and I think, man, people probably aren't ready for it, but let's talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. That's and, and so you don't necessarily anticipate getting those done so they don't hurt as much. But those ones that you really think you should be able to get done and you put a lot of work into and they don't get done, it, it's, it's a little tougher to overcome it. You have a couple of those there, Senator Hammer? Yeah, you always have a you you always have a couple that, uh, and and stepping aside from some of the stuff we talked around here, uh, there are always bills you're going to look back on when your legislative term is done and say that was you know one of those that was worth it all. Uh, I'll be honest with you, one of the big ones that I got through that I was uh, vested in and and wanted worse than anything, and it took forever to get it took the whole session to get through, uh, was a bill dealing with the uh, uh, illness of Pan and Pandas which is totally unrelated to anything we've been talking about here, but it clears the pathway for insurance companies uh, to uh, eventually will have to start paying for reimbursement uh, to providers in order to treat the disease pan and pandas. Um, you know, got got that one through, and I'd, I'd have to kind of get a mental checklist in a little bit, but working on the free speech one, uh, I'll be honest with you, there were some that we've ended up putting into interim study that I think every day you open up the newspaper and you listen to the radio and you listen to news reports, uh, I'm not so sure there won't be some look back where people will say, well, I wish I would have got behind that then because mm-hmm. I think it'll make it easier for them to get behind uh, next time around, such as uh, the the one dealing with uh, the defamation. Effort. Yeah. And, and the FOIA. Yeah. 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 yeah the yeah. FOIA and the, um, you know, trying to get these um, uh, trying to get these um, uh, foundations more transparent, you know, with what they're doing with their funds. Uh, and I think the, the problem with that, piece of legislation the average arkansan doesn't have a clue about it. right you did a lot of of uh, informational um you know information for Thank people you. i mean you gave people a lot of a lot of groundwork on that that i i wasn't even aware of this yeah. whole thing going right. on with the with these groups that are funneling money back to different other groups and things well, and that's, you know, to Bob's point, it stings when you lose one and you fought, you know, you fought the battle hard, but you always want to walk away knowing you left it all on the field. Um, but you also walk away and leave it in a manner where people don't develop an attitude against you because you are defiant and put them in a position where they won't listen to you in the interim. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it's an educational process for the legislators, too, because somebody's going to pop an idea in there that at the time may seem like way, way out there on the ledge, but it's because it's like a baby. They were there at conception. They nurtured it for nine months till delivery, and during the session they deliver it, and everybody thinks it's a cute baby. And so you got to, you know, you got to kind of give them a little attitude. But, you know, if you got the attitude, I'm not going to quit till you know, till I, my last day in office. Uh, you're going to win. You're going to win some. Well, there's, there's one that didn't get through. It went to interim study. I think an interim study, it may end up becoming law. And that's the one with, that Mark Johnson had where uh, people, if they uh, commit a felony, well, in, in embezzle of, fraud. Yeah. yeah. In, As in, government in, officials. And they're going to make it that they're going to take away your, your retirement. I think that's a great bill. And, he ran into people who wanted to run the clock out on him. Yeah, I, I'm not exactly. I mean, I, I totally get the due process argument that if it's something that they have that they're vested in, it's a little hard to say that without, you know, going and adjudicating it. But these people are individuals that 
that have went through the process and been convicted of of a felony. So I don't. I mean, to me, that, that seems like that should be an easy bill. I got to tell you what I learned. I learned a lot of lessons uh, at this last legislative session, and one of the lessons that I learned was. If someone opposes the bill, they come up with uh, this, oh, well, that's unconstitutional, that's <laughs> yeah. illegal. Well, guess what? If it, if it turns out that's the case, then that bill, that law won't get enforced. So right. don't worry about it. But by the way, I also don't believe you. Yeah, It's that's also exactly an excuse. Right. It, well, and, and <laughs> yeah. frankly, it, you know, I hate to say this, but, you know, in 2017, we passed, a, or didn't pass, but we pushed, and several people wanted to get it done, the, the internet sales tax, which very clearly violated the current judicial precedent, and yet they were willing to do it to push the envelope on yes. that, right? And so every bill that we, we pass that deals with medical marijuana is in violation of, of federal law, and but but we're willing to willing to do that, and, and it's... It shows you that a lot of a lot of politics and governance is art and less science, and they're willing to do it when they're willing to do it. And if not, they want to use that as a club to stop people. Okay, we're going to come back. Boy, you you almost got a word out. Oh, <laughs> I well, stopped you. I want to say this: that's the value <laughs> of having conservative attorneys in the legislature that are true conservative attorneys. Because if you want to know something as a non-attorney. As far as dealing with those issues, you build those relationships where you go to them and they're, you know they're going to give you good conservative advice and figure a workaround the argument. So just for all your listening audience, there is a great benefit for attorneys being in the legislature if they're conservative. All right. Here we go. We get a break in. When we come back, I'm going to ask each of you to give a grade for the whole general session. A, B, C, D, or F. All right. I don't think there will be any Fs, but you just never know. Hey, don't forget about Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. I've been using Sonny's now for a couple of years. I have saved probably around $6,000 putting in a total loss vehicle engine and total loss vehicle uh, transmission in my car, another uh, engine in another car that I gave to my daughter as kind of a wedding present. And uh, the bottom line is, Uh, I saved a lot of money doing it that way. And those engines and the transmissions run as if they're brand new, as far as I'm concerned. They are brand new to my car. So the bottom line is this is a way you can uh, save a lot of money. Every part guaranteed comes with a standard warranty, one, two, and three-year warranties on every part you buy. From Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts, RD is the owner of Sonny's. He'll take great care of you. Call him at 982-7451. That's 982-7451. Okay, let's start off with uh, Senator Ballinger. If you had to give a grade to this session, what would you give it? You know, I just I just mentioned off air. You know, it, it, it's kind of like this. It's like you have, you have a schizophrenic student who excels in some courses and and flunks in the other, and you want to give them a grade for the semester for the whole whole thing. And that, and it's kind of hard to do that. But what I would say if I had to give a grade, you know, I'd give us a a B, right? You okay. know, it's kind of like kissing your sister. There's some things like we're talking about with with abortion. We got an A. With guns, you know, some issues we did great, but the fact that we didn't pass danger ground, I wouldn't give us more than a B on that. Um, but uh, anyway, so I'd, I'd say ultimately probably a B. Talk about taxes, yeah. Mm, we're going to get down this the D range. So love the love. Thank the you very much. I appreciate that you're being honest about that because 
I like that we gave everybody a, a nice tax break, but I hate that we took all that money back and more in all the other taxes that we raised. So good tax policy is is if you're going to tax something, tax consumption. So the fuel tax is a consumption tax. It's better tax policy than the income tax. So, so if it's a dollar-for-dollar dollar trade, great. The problem is we are the most overtaxed state in the South where people are hunched over this heavy burden on their back and to – to take off, you know, a handful and to put on, even if it's better tax policy, and you know, take off a pound and put on two pounds, it's it's too much to an overtaxed population. Anyway. Okay, so you're saying a B. Yeah, I'll give us a B. High B or, or low B? Ah, low B probably. All right, but. low B. All right. In all honesty, during the break, after you asked the question, I thought about it, and I, in my head, I said B minus, which is yeah. essentially mm-hmm. okay. what, what Senator Ballinger just said. So we're we're very much in agreement, and for the for the same reasons, right? I think we did very well on some things, so so on other things, and we talked about it uh, before the two senators showed up as well. We kind of went through the list very quickly, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I'd say B minus. How about you, Senator Hammer? If we're going to give the overall grade uh, and grading on the curve, I'd, I'd be right in the B minus to a B range, okay? Uh, because you got the balance of we did really well. Um, you know, on the uh, pro-life bills. And so it's kind of like, you know, what what was great, Bob's grade average when he graduated from college, 3.6. <laughs> but, you know, he probably did good in some classes and didn't do so good in the other, but you give the overall average. I think, you know, like on the uh, pro-life issues, we did really well. On the economic issues, um, we did get a bill through that uh, when it comes to unemployment rate, it's now set on a sliding curve. So right. when we're in a strong economic time like we are right now, the employers aren't – they're paying at the at the bottom. You're giving me the signal? Yeah, the signal is you can finish up when we come back. That'll work. we got to get to the news. That's up next on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. We've got uh, State Senator Kim Hammer here. we got uh, State Senator – Bob Ballinger here. We've got, uh, of course, uh, my partner in crime. I call him that now, uh, Robert Steinbach. He joins me every Monday and then at other times when he can because a lot of the things that happen now, you got to have a lawyer here to kind of explain what the heck's going on and how do you make changes and how do you beat it back. I mean, I'm, I look at some of this, this. Did you hear me reading about the, the Yale student? Oh, yeah. There's a Yale student that is suing Yale now because a woman charged him with sexual abuse. Okay. Uh, and what happened is that evidently they met up on through Tinder. And a t- Tinder, for you, Kim, you know, you've been married for how long? 40 years this so year. you don't need Tinder. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't need Tinder. 29 years and, and whatnot. The bottom line is, is that it's just a hookup app you go through and you you see if you if you walk into the capitol and you see somebody doing this they're standing on the side and just doing this swiping David. they're swiping. swiping they're looking they're looking at the girls and they're these girls are out there or the guys are out there looking to hook up with another girl or another guy or you know whatever and uh, so th- these two people hooked up consensual sex and s- we don't know exactly how it happened but this guy's condom came off and then he put it back on, put a new one back on. And no harm, no foul until two months later, and the girl says, uh, that was sexual assault. 
Hmm. And I've been sexually assaulted before, and I'm not going to take it anymore. And they ended up in front of a a tribunal of some kind at Yale, and uh, they they uh, expelled this guy. Well, now he's suing Yale, saying that he didn't get due process. So it's pretty bad now that the, uh, that we've gotten to this point. You you got to have a lawyer around for everything. This was a real problem across campuses, and the Obama administration was pushing this in that. Look, there there can be, of course, on campus rape, date rape, um, uh, sexual assault. Uh, but the Obama administration was pushing a program that basically presumed guilt as opposed to presuming innocence. Like, innocence uh, for right, the woman, right, but right. not for the guy. Right. And right. we saw this with the Kavanaugh hearings, right? You literally yeah. saw the Democrats come out and say, well, if a woman says it, I believe it. Wait, what? Right. Wait, 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 when was that our legal system? Yeah. When did yeah. we enact that rule? Yeah, that's that, that's that, that that is not you know in line with our values. Okay, so anyway, I just, that was just to explain why I like to have Robert around all the yeah, time. Yeah, that's a great I've great value to have things. conservative legal counsel yes. here. That's pretty pretty it, great. It's, it's important because yeah. I look, I didn't go to school for law. You know, I went for radio, television, philosophy, and political science. That's what what I went for. So, bottom line was is that when it comes to the law, and I talk about it all the time, legalese that. I mean, just reading a bill, I need him around mm-hmm. because it's written in legalese the way it is. Okay, so both of you, B-minus for the session, Get it, getting us back on what we were talking about. What would it take for us to get up into the A range, in your all's opinion? I think we're going to have to have a more aggressive tax policy. I was saying earlier that we did pretty good in the economics and that you know, we address some of the needs of the businesses. Um, the The problem, in my opinion, on the tax policy was uh, it's, it's kind of like the right hand giveth and the left hand taketh away. And if at the end of the session you don't come out with a net benefit to the majority of the citizens, you can't really score that, in my opinion, as a victory. Um, you know, on the, on the gasoline tax, uh, the one thing that stood out ironic to me about that was is that we had to pass two bills – that holds the Department of Transportation accountable because we don't think they're doing a good enough job on the management of the construction projects. While we're doing that, we're turning around saying, but we're going to go ahead and give you more taxes. The thing about that is if it fails at the ballot, and Bob, you mm-hmm. chime in and make sure I don't make a fool of myself here. If it fails at the ballot next time around, what's going to end up happening is those legislators that are sitting in those chairs, the session after that are going to be faced with the tough challenge of having to vote that tax through on our own as a legislative branch uh, right now it's been punted to the people to make, you know, to make the vote. Um, it, it, we actually have a second shot at it. So, so that, that tax is not even up yet. So it's not, not set to sunset. Years, right. Think. So, yeah. so we could either, we'll have another shot to, to send it out if we decide that that's what we want to do. But my, my thing, my frustrating with that is, you know, truly, I think there's some reforms that need to happen, some accountability within the higher department, some of the way that they spend their money is not appropriate, and there's no legislative oversight. There's no real elected official you know, answerable to the people that's over them. And in order to really do that, we did pass a couple of reforms, which is great, but to really to do much, we have to amend the Constitution. Well, we used, we burned one of our constitutional amendments to just increase, the, you know, continue this the the sales tax increase, and did not go after the, any of the reforms, which you know was to me was was pretty silly. No, let me bring a name up. Right now, his name's been drugged through the mud completely, and Jeremy Hutchinson. 
couple of years ago, Jeremy had the highway department on the run. Yep. And let them off the hook because they said that they would make the necessary changes, and he took them at his at their word, and then they didn't make the changes that they promised. To do. One of the things that I would say there actually, I think, were some changes, right? I mean, I really do believe that, and as, and in fact, give give the devil his due. Oh, there's nobody that was more engaged in that than Jeremy Hutchinson on that. Mm-hmm. And I, I really do think that they made some changes to really try to focus more on the statewide benefit. Before, there was almost no accountability. Each each commissioner, highway commissioner, had his money. He decided how he wanted to spend it. And now it really does have to go through a, a review process, which is the whole commission, before they can spend the money. Now, most of it still is not. I mean, they still do stupid things with the money. There still needs to be reforms, I think. But I don't think it's as bad as it, what it was five years ago. Okay. So do, do you think that something has to be done with them as far as, and this is something that I point out a lot on the air, I drive, you know, I really like, the the soundproofing walls and stuff. I have nothing against those, but I do have something to get them when, against them when they get away from the, you know, utilitarian way they look to having pretty trees and flowers and the state of Arkansas stamped in them. And I sure that's hundreds of thousands of dollars in more spending. It would seem to me stop doing that crazy stuff and just build. A freaking bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, you saw me. I caught myself. You did. That's a, how long have you been on the radio and you used to have to do that? Yeah, <laughs> I still have to do that sometimes. We're on I the five-second delay, right? <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it really irritates me at yeah. times. And because that, to me, is nothing more than wasted money. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm kind of the same way. That people can make arguments about the, <laughs> you know, the value of that investment and what it returns in Arkansas through, you know, added investment or through whatever the beautification. I'd have a hard time seeing how that would be justified. But my goal is not for my taxpaying money to help another company. Yeah, that's not why I give my money. My money is build what it is that we need and leave the rest of it alone, please. Yeah. No, no, that's that. I, I I totally get that. Am I, am I wrong, Kim? I think you have to take care of your basic needs first and determine what is essential services in every level. Uh, with regards to the trans- tar- Department of Transportation, it's a two-edged sword. If we put it back under legislative control, even if we got that through, uh, you're, you're going to see a, a politically charged environment. Uh, I would just like to see the continued pressure um, to, you know, to have them function in a independent way that bestows the trust of the citizens, just like we're expected as legislators to have trust in us by making, you know, decisions that, that operate at the, uh, what are, what are the essential services? What is, what is best for the overall taxpayer of state of Arkansas? Okay. So if that half cent tax doesn't pass, is there a chance that, you know, Julie Mayberry came out, and I forget who was the guy. Was it Brennan or what was the guy's name that was a state rep that came up with the idea of stuff that you spend to fix your car and stuff? All that tax money went into the roads. Well, it, that's been around for a long time. The okay, idea so doing why general revenue transfer? Do, do we will you get another shot at that maybe and look at this from a completely different perspective? Yeah, if the citizens decide that they are taxed enough already. It will give us it, it would it will give us an opportunity to to reconsider how we do that. And so I, I think a general revenue transfer over time off from economic growth, which is what we've had proposed since I've been in two thousand thirteen. Yeah, that's when it right. So so every year since then it we've we've had that as an as an option. 
and it just is, has never and, – and the reason is because that means, you know, the higher ed wants to see a portion of that growth. Mm-hmm. And K-12 wants to see a portion of that growth. And everybody who's taking any money out of the state coffers wants to see a portion of that growth. But but there are a few things that are – that I I mean, I think actually this is true. There are a few legitimate functions of state government. Um, we, we engage in way too many things that the state has no business engaging in. One of those things that I think is a legitimate function of state government that we should do and we don't do as well as we should is, is fund roads. And so to me, you know, having some, some general revenue earmarked towards road, something that we'd have more control over, oversight over, is I think it's a win all the way around. So, and I think what we have to do between now and when that comes up for a vote to the people is we have to – cobble together, put together. Um, you got transformation going on. There's going to be proposed savings for that coming down the line. I think yeah. what we have to do is build a strong enough argument that we can find it within what we have to minimize the need to vote for that. And if you take, you know, what uh, uh, what Jonathan had, you take what, what Julie had, and you build toward that $200 million mark, then I think that, that you give people a good reason to say to state government, now look, you've got it. You just need to redirect it. And like Bob said, let's let's control the the power of the purse is a cliche sometimes I think, but control the power of the purse by taking that. You know, if you take figure out how to get it back into general revenue, you got a little bit more leverage over the Department of Transportation. Right. That's that's where we wouldn't have to remove them as a constitutional uh, entity, but we sure could have a little bit more muscle to flex over them. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so I mean, I, I think that that's I think that's the the ultimate goal. I don't know the I mean, and once again, status quo is a lot of power. But I really think that we're in a position where we're likely to see really. I mean, our, our revenue forecast. I mean, we're we're collecting more revenue than than we expected. We may end up having some surplus that we could say, you know, look, some of those funds could have been earmarked towards you know of this this portion of surplus towards uh towards highways and. And I, I mean, I, to me, that's the answer over time. But you know, if you're if you're not working the money you got hard, if if the money you have is not being worked as hard as it could be, such as utilizing the treasury a little bit more, it's real hard for me to go to the taxpayers and say, "Hey, why don't you pass a tax on yourself?" And by the way, we're not working your money as hard. We wouldn't do that in our homes. We wouldn't do that in businesses. Why should it be expected to be done in government? <coughs> well, yeah. I forget who said it, but someone said that. If you had to raise taxes, it meant, oh, how did it go? Something, something, people who do this don't govern. People, or they raise taxes, people who don't raise taxes govern. And I, I forget, it was the president. I think it may have been Reagan. I don't know. I've been trying to find that statement because I want to be able to quote it verbatim. Because yeah. Yeah, you know, that's the key. If if you're willing to govern, which means really tighten your belt and get down and start scratching and looking for where the money is already at, you can find it. Mm-hmm. Look, I saw it with BB, and BB used to drive me crazy. Well, uh, we we need fifty million dollars. Oh, over in that corner, right there, there's a little <laughs> golden bucket of money over there. I mean, you know that bucket oh, yeah, happened no, constantly. A, yep, yep. You know we're we're. we're Going broke. If anybody thinks that we're not taxed enough already, they're not living in the real world. And so as I've said on your show many times, Dave, 
we can have a wish list of unicorns and rainbows as long as my arm. But the bottom line is I and every Arkansan pays more than enough in taxes. You know where the rainbow comes from? Mm-hmm. You know where that rainbow comes from? Where does that come from? It's to pass gas from the unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to take a break. Take a break. We'll be back. i got a real serious, another serious question to finish up uh, this segment here on the Dave Ellswick Show. What's it to you? Exactly. So, <laughs> Go ahead. I, I, to answer your previous question, Dave, uh, what will it take to get us into the A range? Uh, this is my wish list, and I think we're going to get it done, by the way. Um Kim Hammers, free speech for public employees when they're off duty. Uh, And you know who opposed that bill? The university, the Chamber of Commerce, and Trent Garner. Okay? And Uh, that still stuns me. That's amazing. That that Trent Garner feels that way. Well, we won't put the senators on the spot right now, but but let me (laughs) tell you. And I I don't mind explaining his point, which I think is a legitimate point. It's something we need to deal with. um, Um, But the notion that, uh, that... Government should be controlling the private lives of of government employees off duty. Uh, I think we need to get away from that, and I think that's still stuck in the mind, certainly of bureau hacks, but also of some elected officials. The second bill that we need to pass, and we'll get it done as well, stand your ground. Um, Bob Ballinger, uh, I had texted him um, uh, during the debates. I said, you know, I feel like I'm either back in New York or over in California, and he wrote me back, and he said, Rob, you're wrong. California has stand your ground. So we're to the left of California. So we're, we're going to pass that bill. And finally, uh, the FOIA bill that deals with the foundations that are operating as government entities, uh, collecting money for the government, giving money out to the government, and and staying completely secret to the public. And we need to deal with that as well. And we're going to pass that bill as well. Okay. All right. So last question for our two senators. And you can jump on, on, on this one too, mm-hmm. Robert, as well. Mm-hmm. What's it... I was stunned at how anti, you know, free choice, open uh, education was here in the state of Arkansas. What's it going to take to change that? I mean, it's got to be, that's almost a, a 180 change, it looks like. It's got to be, it's totally different than when when Westerman was here. Well, what I would say is, you know, I don't think that we took as big as strides as we have um, historically. But I don't think that we went backwards. And, and we were just talking. We tried to figure out the Succeed Scholarship actually had a – had a it actually was, was advanced and was expanded some. But I don't remember exactly what we what we did with it. Maybe Senator Hammer will remember. But there was actually some some advance of, of school choice. But but honestly, I think that it's it's a situation of, once again, status quo. You know, for a long time, the public schools are, are invaluable, really important – they have they've seen this as a, a no matter how small it is no matter no matter how much you give them stats and you can prove to them that it's not going to damage public schools the mindset is it's an attack on public schools and so it and, and frankly I feel like our side the, the supporting school choice is not doing a good job of, of educating we're not getting out and making it issues in campaigns one of the reasons is frankly the the influence of the local schools is is in rural Arkansas in particular is is big. And so people are not making it a, an issue of campaigns. It's not something that I feel like is as big of a base issue outside of Little Rock. I don't think, I mean, guns, abortion, taxes, those things are people talk about. You know, outside of that, uh, you know, outside of Little Rock, there's not much discussion about school choice either. So, um, you know, I, it, I think it's going to take more. I think it's going to take exactly what you're doing right now, educating people, saying this is a top shelf. 
probably the civil rights issue of our time, that people are, you know, by virtue of their geography, are locked into some school. And whether that school is trying and doing a good job or not, for that person, they have no choice. They have to go. You know, by virtue of where, they're, where they live, they are locked into some school without any choice in the matter. And I think that you empower parents and empower students, they're, they're going to do better. All right. Senator Hammer. So on the Succeed Scholarship, we increased the uh, funding level a little bit on that. Um, yeah, and, and, and Mark Lowry ran a bill on uh, Succeed Scholarship, and I can't exactly remember what it was, but the one I ran allowed for uh, students that are uh, in foster in, in foster homes that are permanently adopted would be able to say on the Succeed Scholarship because the way the bill previously was on the EIP, they had to have an EIP or they had to be a foster student right. a foster, in a foster care home. Uh, so what it did is if they get adopted out, they're able to stay on and stay in that school where they can use the Succeed Scholarship. Uh, to the question of uh, charter schools and other schools that would, uh, for lack of a better term, compete with public schools, uh, kind of like we were talking about in the break, competition's not a bad thing. They uh, are public schools, charter schools. Yeah. Well, you know, the – the fr- Could be the with traditional public yeah, schools, right? Yeah, okay. In talking to the superintendents in my district, uh, the school choice, it, it within itself creates some issues because you got kids that are coming in, so that kind of puts a, a strain on the, you know, on the on the uh, facility side of things. One thing we did this session, I'm not real sure I'm crazy about, but based on the wealth index, we redistributed the wealth uh, by districts that have uh, stronger financial economic abilities. Uh, lost some of their facility funding that hurt Northwest Arkansas, Saline County, and some other ones. So we kind of went through a redistribution of the wealth um, to to the rural districts like mine. So to, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Which I understand that. I, you know, hey, I understand that. Uh, I, I think one thing we need to do is if we're not going to be able to get the the school choice and open that up, then what we've got to do is hold schools to uh, to a higher accountability. Tried to do that with a bill that if the state took over a school, uh, they would have uh, four additional years and two two-year increments in order to have a school be able to get a soft landing. Uh, wasn't able to get that out. I think maybe that'll come back around. So I, th- I think some of the things we need to do to apply some gentle pressure is just you know hold to a greater accountability, but we also have to bring uh, equal expectation if we're going to open up the doors everybody needs to operate by the same set of rules All right. robert we'll have to wait till you're back on with me to get your thought on who knows it. when that'll be it'll be monday <laughs> at least we know that'll happen all right it's dave Ellswick show state senator uh, uh bob uh, ballinger and state senator kim hammer thank you very much for your time the same to you robert appreciate you coming in oh, we're out of bless. time jr davis is up next with me here on the dave Ellswick show Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.